0: This episode of Industry Focus is supported by Wonder Capital, an investing service that allows individuals to invest in solar projects across the United States. Earn up to 11% annually while diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution, and combating global climate change. Create an account for free at wondercapital.com fool. Wonder Capital, do well and do good. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, September 1st, 2016, so we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I am joined by Motley Fool Canada Associate GM, Taylor Muckerman. Happy September, Taylor. How's it going?
1: what do you say on the like, rabbit rabbit? Is that something you say on the first day of the month?
0: Uh, really? I don't, I think, I've, I've never, never heard that. I could
1: that. be totally wrong and dreaming, but in Where? any case, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. It's just something I heard, so I'm going to say it. Like, do we need to Google this when we leave? Like? Our listeners do. Yeah. yeah okay. I might still need to as well. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Phone banks are standing by. Call in when you know <laughs> the answer <laughs> to this <laughs> problem.
0: Um, so, uh, before we dive into today's topics, we have a mailbag question that I wanted to answer from Bill Melton, who emailed us at industryfocus at industryfocusfull.com, and he asked. All of the discussion was around dri- new driverless cars, and he's referring to my uh, recent episode with uh, Mr. John Rosier. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there a company or companies who would be positioned to profit from upgrading existing cars to a driverless state? Um, <laughs> this. This actually reminded me of Back to the Future Part 2 when Marty sees the ad for upgrading your car to flight and everything. Oh, like- uh, yeah. That seems a little
1: <laughs> bit more complicated. You
0: know, someday. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, uh, Bill, that is a great question. I can't thank you enough for writing in. Um, to our knowledge, there are no direct plays on retrofitting regular cars for driverless functionality, there's no um, auto body shop or chain or anything that's doing this. Um, There are companies that are working on this, as well as other stuff, and anybody that's going to be working on upgrading a non-driverless car to driverless functionality in any capacity um, is probably going to be working on the same thing for new autonomous vehicles. Um, one of the leaders in this was recently acquired by General Motors for a billion dollars back in March, and this was—it's it, what's now called their Cruise division. It was just called Cruise, and they were literally a Silicon Valley startup that focused on creating a self-driving car kit for everybody's cars. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, of course, also got, and I expect to be in the future players that are, these are publicly traded options. Um, you've got Delphi Automotive, which, of course, just announced their team up with uh, Mobileye to offer an entire system that will be available to any automo- uh, automaker for new cars. And I would assume that Mobileye and, and Delphi will. H- have something available for regular cars. Um, you've also got a bunch of private companies that are in on this, um, one of which the, uh, that a co-worker mentioned to me was Silicon Valley Startup Drive.ai. They're focusing more on the software, as I understand it. But uh, bottom line, Delphi and Mobileye probably will get in on it. Cruise has a system, but this, is, this isn't this is even the first inning. Like, I don't even think we've had the first pitch thrown in the game of retrofitting. Cars, so
1: yeah, that seems like a very complicated and an expensive process. And would
0: you want to do that? It's like a gamble. I mean, and... you got
1: to input all these radar beams into the yeah. cameras I mean, into the, the bumpers. Top, like, yeah, you yeah. could throw that on top. because You'd look like a Google car driving around with yeah. that big bubble on top.
0: Uh, I saw this Audi retrofitted with one of the things that you're talking, the systems that you're oh, talking yeah? about, and it, it, it it's slightly less sexy now.
1: Like, I <laughs> saw something pretty interesting the other day. They're wondering, like, you know. Drivers communicate with other drivers by honking or giving each right. other the bird or waving. But how are driverless cars going to do that? So, this company has come out with uh, it's non publicly traded. Um, they've come out with a, a rooftop display that will display give somebody emo- the bird emojis <laughs> and will reflect other road signs so that you know, uh, as a human driver behind a driverless car, yeah. you know what the driverless car is thinking.
0: I'm mad at you. Yeah, I mean- yeah, exactly. You 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 used your turn signal, smiley face. You honk at, you <laughs> honk at
1: an autonomous car in the wrong way, and it's gonna it's gonna brake check you. Yeah. This is fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, sign me up. Um, so uh, Taylor, for our first uh, segment here, um, what's up? Wanted to talk about uh, the state that is leading the nation in adding wind capacity to its mix of electricity generation, and uh, surprising to some, the answer is Texas.
1: Yeah. The one of the, the, the all... biggest oil producing state, although oil isn't really used for power in the US but they produce right. a lot of gas down there as well. Yeah
0: what um, you've obviously been aware of this for a while um, but uh, can you just walk me through where they are now um, relative to other states and uh, what what you think their plans are for the future?
1: Yeah, here's a here's a state that um, basically generates about 16% of electrical generating capacity with wind as of April of this year. So um, it's a it's a state that's also been relying on coal and natural gas for for quite a while, but. Um, You know, when George Bush was the governor, and then was it Rick Perry was the governor? He actually pushed a lot of this through. Yeah, well, they allowed for uh, freer markets and the capital markets to do as they will. And uh, West Texas is where he's from, a very windy area of the country. So, um, he understood that that could be a potential boon for for the state. Um, And so, they freed up a lot of things, provided some state and federal subsidies for these things that have wound down or are winding down. Um, So, you've seen this massive Uptick in um, in wind power and solar power. So if you look at 2001, uh, renewables were about two percent of Texas's energy source, and in 2016, right now, as I mentioned, uh, you're looking at 16 percent from renewables. So that's wind, solar, and hydro. Um, fossil fuels shrinking from 92 percent to 79 percent. So wow, the largest fossil fuel producing state in the in the lower 48. Um,
0: also, the leader in
1: wind power. Yeah, yeah. And, now, uh, they're hoping to catch California with
0: solar because California is currently the leader in uh, uh, solar installations, but they're hoping to catch up there too, right?
1: Yeah, they're trying. Uh, you see, uh, they're 10th place uh, right now in solar capacity. They're looking to maybe creep up to second in the next five years. Uh, so- California, obviously, very sunny state. Right. Uh, I think it's bigger than Texas, is it? Or so it's got it's got equal or similar land mass, right. um, So they have they have the same opportunity there, um, but they're looking at 19,000 megawatts of solar capacity uh, to be built within 15 years, up from 500 megawatts today. So. That's you know, a big old increase.
0: When I saw this, you know what popped back into my mind was: um, Do you remember about eight years ago uh, that uh, T Boone Pickens was pushing his Pickens Plan? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, yep, yep. And
0: it just—it was—he it, actually had a cool map. He showed the United States, and then they had it like color-coded based on average wind speed. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, this basically the corridor from the Dakotas down to Texas, he described it as the Saudi Arabia of wind. Yeah. And how we should just build a bunch of wind turbines through like that, that entire section of the country and just.
1: That was a total and about face by yeah. by Pickens and his uh, his energy um, powerhouse. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're looking at some of these facilities being 45 acres big. I mean, yeah, that's it's, pretty it's enormous, pretty massive yeah. for solar. Um and, and to see a state that most people associate with, like I would be surprised if a lot of people even thought that any solar was going on yeah. down there. And that's kind of eating a company like NRG's NRG Energy's lunch because traditionally uh, coal and, and natural gas they're they're trying to get into renewables, but um, because of this surge in renewable energy production, energy prices for for producers are are falling. Yeah. And um and it's not the only reason why NRG Energy has been struggling. Uh, it's a very convoluted business model. Caught a lot of hedge funds off guard in the last couple of years, um, but they're losing out on the pricing power. Yeah, as well. that
0: actually we need. We don't have time today, but we almost should do an entire show on how uh, in trouble or not in trouble utilities are. I mean, yeah, it,
1: we we really could. Um, I mean, if you look at uh, if you look at um, wind power and and solar thermal power, it's it's really taking away. It's, I mean, you cost nothing to produce it. Once, once your capital expenditures of building the facilities are there, you have to maintain it, obviously. But uh, you're not continually running anything, right? Yeah. And uh,
0: Speaking of renewable energy, before we move on, I wanted to take a moment to talk briefly about our sponsor. As you know, this episode is brought to you by Wonder Capital. What if you could help combat global climate change and make money at the same time? Introducing Wonder Capital, the award-winning online investment platform that allows individuals to invest in solar energy projects across the United States. Wonder's online investment platform allows you to earn up to 11% annually while diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution, and combating global climate change. Your investment in Wonder's fully managed solar investment funds goes directly to helping U.S. small and medium-sized businesses install solar panels. As those businesses repay their loans to Wonder, you receive monthly payments directly deposited into your bank account. Individuals who have previously invested with Wonder Capital have supported the installation and long-term financing for a high-end storage facility in Florida, a government office building in Minnesota, and many other projects across the country. Best of all, Wonder Capital doesn't take any fees for investing your money. Create an account for free at wondercapital.com. That's Wonder with a U. Wonder Capital. Do well and do good. So, uh, Mr. Muckerman, um, you Ryan, you remember an episode a number of months ago where we talked about how new oil discoveries were the lowest since uh, World War II?
1: Yes, I do remember and,
0: that. And uh, that number's now been ratcheted up to uh, 70 years, or literally right after World War II, new oil finds, according to consulting firm Wood Mackenzie, are at their lowest since 1947 and headed lower. Um, at what point are we going to get to um, Drake's Well era oil finds?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, you see so many companies pulling back, and, and uh, I think some of the biggest news that came out about this was um, the fact that ExxonMobil didn't replace 100% of its oil in the first time in 22 years. Um, and I would expect that. Return to a hundred hundred percent plus um, here in the next couple of years because they do have ten major projects coming online in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen. But their exploration, their or their capital expenditures budget for this year is down thirty eight percent in the second quarter. Um, and that's
0: good compared to a lot of
1: people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And but but it's kind of uh, makes you a little nervous for the distant future, right? Um, Granted, some of these bigger projects do have long lifespans, otherwise they wouldn't be pursuing them as heavily, because they are billions of dollars to to build and to to maintain, but um, if you're looking out to 2025, 2040, uh, there's a lot could change, as we just talked about. Right, so we need to talk about moving to renewables, but, I mean, if we're still even remotely as reliant on oil and gas as we are now, in the next 15 to 20 years, You're going to see a price pinch.
0: Yeah. So, and when this came out, um, it was troubling because it was also noted that um, the U.S. uh, EIA, U.S. Energy Information Administration, estimates the global oil demand will grow from the current 94.8 million barrels per day this year to by 2026 105.3 million barrels. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, There's two questions that I want to get your thoughts on with that. How seriously do you take the 105 number? Because everybody's like, oh, we're all going to have driverless cars by the end of the decade. That'll be there. They could have a lot of batteries. The U.S. is still you know, the world's largest consumer of oil, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, India, China, everybody's obviously growing. Um, if you're a betting man, what do you think the odds are that we hit that 105 number by in 10 years' time?
1: Well, simply because of the fact that so many Companies or or countries are moving off of coal power, and you know we we have driverless co- we have electric cars. Let's not associate driverless with electric yeah, just yet. About, yeah. um, but uh, I mean, granted, what we're seeing is that driverless are electric because you know everyone that's they designing are, they driverless are, is more forward thinking. They than, are buddies. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, you might as well pair the two if you're gonna if you're gonna reach for an automated car manufacturer. Um, I'm a little bullish on the fact that we're going to reduce the amount of oil. Yeah. Maybe not reduce, but slow the pace more so than people think. Things are just accelerating really quickly these days in terms of te- technological change in the automotive space. Um, I mean, especially when you look at so many companies now sparring almost over driverless and, and electric cars with Uber kicking board members out of of, of the boardroom that it belonged yeah. to Google. Um, they're partnering with Carnegie Mellon to start producing driverless cars in Pittsburgh uh, and testing them as taxis, maybe. Yeah, there's a hundred uh, of them right now. Yeah. Do so, you
0: so? How much oil does the U.S. consume? It's like 16 million barrels a day. Sounds about right. So let's just pretend something crazy happens and we cut that in half, thanks to all the stuff you just mentioned. Yeah. That would be, you know, get world consumption down to, you know, 86 or something. And then, um, you know, but other countries would, you know, hopefully come online and everything. But 86 to 105, that's a bit more of a jump. Yeah, absolutely. You know.
1: Especially when you look at countries like Saudi Arabia, who's focusing very heavily on renewable energy. And they Uh,
0: invested in Uber. Yeah, recently, that, I mean, that,
1: one of their, one of the members of the Saudi Arabian Sovereign Wealth Fund is on Uber's board. Oh, jeez. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean that country is. the Do you largest seem to think country. that it'll
0: be hard to get to 105 in 2026? I do.
1: I mean, if you look at some of these countries, not only the producing countries but also the consuming countries, they're they're changing. Yeah. They're changing very rapidly. I mean, if you look at 58, percent I think of. All new energy production resources that came online in 2015 were, were renewable. Yeah. So more than half of all new energy production is renewable. Wow, that's now that's obviously inflated reversal. a little
0: bit because of the lack of oil investment,
1: but sure. And also, oil isn't necessarily involved that heavily in energy production. You're mostly looking at natural gas. Yeah, but if it, you're not drilling for natural gas, you're not. You might not be yeah. drilling for oil either because, um, in a lot of instances, especially in the United States, the two go hand in hand. Yeah, so. Um,
0: all this you know, okay, so you're a little nervous about hitting the one oh five. In any case, you know we're a little not
1: nervous nervous for the sake of oil companies. Nervous right. for the sake of so- society. humanity? No. Oh, that's good. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: Um but uh the other uh party that's uh hurting a little bit because of all this is of course the offshore industry. Yeah, that's um, the
1: frontier of, of, of oil production right now.
0: And uh literally frontier because yeah. all this fracking, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's on land usually. Yes. Um what's is the offshore sector just up the okay. creek without a paddle?
1: <laughs> um, well, it, it, yeah, it's kind of run into some rough seas. Um, not In the Gulf of Mexico yeah, without no a pun paddle? Pun intended, uh, the, the hurricanes that are coming towards Florida right now. Um, uh, but yeah, you're looking at rigs dropping pretty significantly, um, expected spending from GE just across the board uh, in 2016 down. 14% for international oil companies, 9% for, for national oil companies, and 40% for North American independent companies. Uh, and then a company by the name of Drillquip, which produces equipment for drill ships and subsea wellheads, um, they're looking at a bottoming of the floating rig count this year or next year, around 170. But if you look at 2014 peak, it was like 250, 260 rigs out there. Right. Um, and they don't really. Exp- and these
0: are for long tail projects. Yeah, so this these is a are big for deal. very
1: long tail projects. And uh, if you had talked to people in, tw- in the early 20 teens, they expected offshore oil to be the lifeblood of the oil industry. Uh, for the long tail, and right now it's just not getting developed. You're seeing companies dry stack rigs, or which is basically pulling them off and just leaving them um, in the port, basically like not using them, or they're just retiring them altogether. Um, and they're also reducing the amount of rigs that are under construction. So, uh, which needed to happen because there was this huge rush to construct these offshore rigs because right. everyone thought that that was going to be um, take place a lot sooner than than it has. Obviously, the price of oil collapsing didn't help matters. Um, so maybe, maybe the industry saves itself by dry stacking some of these older rigs and reducing rigs under construction. But at the current time, it's a few years away from a recovery in my mind. Got
0: it. So, so kind of steer clear of the offshore drillers, even if they look uh, cheap. <laughs> yeah, I mean
1: they. Well, I mean the earnings are down, so they don't necessarily look supremely cheap. The right. stock prices look cheap comparatively to where they were a few years ago, but um, with earnings collapsing the way they have, uh, multiples really haven't done the same. So, don't necessarily always look at PE multiples when you're looking at uh, energy companies, because or any company really in general, but especially cyclical industries, because with volatile earnings, um, PE multiples don't really always resemble how cheap or how expensive these right. companies truly are, based on how they're currently performing. Granted, you always want to try and time the bottom of the cycle for these companies. Um, but it's it's particularly tough right now. Cool. Well, thanks for your
0: thoughts, Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one. You too. That is it for us, folks. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So, don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Taylor Markman, I am Sean O'Reilly. We also want to give a shout-out to our programmer, Austin Morgan. Whoop, whoop! Thanks for listening, and Fool on!